What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. I am recording this one here from a hotel room in the city, Ciudad de Barcelona. City of Barcelona. I don't know why I said it like that. But um, yeah, I'm in, I'm in Spain, in Barcelona. We've been here for about five or six days-ish uh, on this massive Euro trip. And I was inspired by some events that happened on this trip so far to make this little series of podcasts about principles because um, I think principles are very important to have. The first thing that comes to mind when I think of principles is the book Principles by Ray Dalio. Um, some of you listening may have read it. I've read, I will admit, I've read snippets of it and I've tried to read the whole thing in full, but it is pretty dense. But I think that the general idea behind the book is enough to start the thesis of this pasa, this podcast, which is that you should be someone that has principles and morals that you live by and stick to, to guide your life down a path that you look back long term and go, you know what, I'm happy with the decisions, the decisions I made, even if short term they were difficult for me to make because they spoke to who I want to be remembered by uh, long term. And I think if you act within principles long enough, you get used to it and you just become very well respected and no one can, people can maybe dislike you, but they can't respect you if you live by principles. So um, I'm going to share some of my principles over the next really nine episodes. And starting with this first one, um, well, actually, before I start sharing my principles with you, I want you to basically understand that uh I'm doing this to encourage you to figure out your own principles. And I guess one of my pre-principles to coming up with principles is that they should be very original and that originality is key and that you should take inspiration from people, but you should really make everything that you can your own in however way that that makes sense to you. For me, a lot of what I do is just, I'll take an idea and I'll go, yeah, I like that idea, but it's not quite perfect enough. And even if I modify it like 3%, or just a little bit, then it is it is at least something slightly more original, and I'm cool with that. So I encourage you that while the next you listen to the next nine podcasts, that you think about you know your own principles, but don't copy mine completely. Like try to make them more customized to you, and however that that happens, you know however you need to make it happen is up to you. But that's my recommendation. And so without further ado, I'm going to go into the first principle, which is some form of flow state or God connection and letting that lead really the path of your life. So it's not like believing in God, like, you know, there's a man in the sky or there's a, you know, like a certain religious connotation to it. It's more so the understanding of what the present moment actually is and what the energy that we all find ourselves in as we listen to this is and connecting to that and letting that and your intuition guide you toward what it is that you're likely supposed to be doing. And that's like principle number one for me is and and why I lead with that is because I think if you lead with following what that present moment action or impulse is calling you to do, you pretty much are, are 
are guided along the right path and and the decisions you make based off of that, even if they don't make logical or rational sense, um, at least for me in the last many years of thinking through this way, it is pretty much always paid off. And solutions tend to pop up when you're grounded in the present moment and not fearful or worried or insecure. So let me just first start talking about this one by discussing like what I think a a good thing to do when talking about like God connection is talking about the different IQ understandings of, of what the God connection is. And there's a really funny meme called the Gaussian distribution IQ curve meme. And it basically shows like the population of the world, all whatever, 8 billion people on the planet. And it's a bell curve. So it's if you know what a bell curve looks like, it's like, uh, just look up what a bell curve is. I don't know how to describe it with words, but you think of, you have a bell curve and on the bottom half of the bell or the bottom third of the bell curve is like uh, a very few number of people who are in the super low IQ range. These are like the very, I don't, I don't mean to say stupid, but like, these are quite literally the stupid people on earth and they have a certain like typically a certain like collective belief pattern um, based on their IQ about what God is. And their IQ pattern is like super simple and super basic. And it's like, God is in, you know, me, God is in you, God is in the sky, God is good. Okay, I'm happy. And, you know, I am going to heaven after I die and I go to hell if I'm bad. So don't do bad things. That's basically what the, you know, the simple people think. Right. And that's that's I think where people think ignorance is bliss because it isn't a bad way to really live. You know, just thinking, oh, well, I I do good things, I go to heaven, I do bad things, I go to hell. Okay, God is all knowing, all powerful. There's God in me, but I'm not God. I don't know, that confuses me. That's kind of the simplistic way of looking at it. Then you move to the middle tier, and this is the vast majority of people, ninety eight percent of the population, where maybe one percent or maybe I don't know, 10% is, of the population is not super enlightened. There's the 80% of the population, which is super intellectual, and it's called the midwit phase. And this is the phase where, like, people get really analytical and can, they're only really grounded in physical reality and facts and logic, and they try to make sense of everything with their mind. When that's great and all, and they typically get super religious and are referring to texts and take everything super literally. And they think they're smarter than everybody. And um, their arguments are usually based in like, you know, um, like, well, this book said this and this scholar said this. And uh, you guys probably know a lot of people who are like this, who who like think that they know everything. And they, they use like as much factual information as they can to back up what they think. And they're super grounded in this, this, this idea that they know everything. Um, and this is the vast majority of people. And this is why religion is like so widespread and popular. It's because this midwit, like kind of mid phase is kind of the, the basic or the, the standard IQ of humans. And they're not really, you know, into the idea of anything super spiritual. They typically believe in like one specific dogma or religious pattern or religious belief, and they don't see any way that any that religions could could somehow be on the same wavelength because they think so logically and they, they get attached to certain specific viewpoints. 
Then there's the last part of the bell curve, which is where I want to bring you guys, which is the higher IQ. And I, by the way, I don't think IQ is really like something that's genetic. I think that you can raise your IQ points through meditation and through just self-education and like basically retraining your brain and rewiring your brain. But that's another podcast. Um, but this last part of the bell curve, which is the more educated, enlightened, it's not educated, I would actually say undereducated, but enlightened side uh, of the bell curve, which views and understands that all religions are essentially saying the same thing, that this this idea of God has been spoken about in the thousands of religions that have been created since the dawn of humankind. They've all been created to try to describe this thing that is ever-present, ever-all-knowing, all-powerful, um, and they're all doing their best to use human language, which is limiting and physical, and we made it up with our own minds, to describe this very intangible essentially spiritual experience that we're all having. So um, the the last this last side of the bell curve is where I would encourage you guys to aim for. And part of the way you can do it is there's, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is reading very well-written spiritual books like The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, who make it very simple for the human mind to go from, it's like a portal. And I aim for this this podcast to be like a portal as well to take you from that intellectual overthinking mind phase, midwit phase, where everything has to be like making sense and like logic and like two-dimensional into this present moment that you're in literally right now as you're listening to this. And you're all you're simply doing is sensing and feeling and connecting to this energy that's inside of you and all around you. And that's it's it's more the experience that the um, the last phase of the or the last part of the bell curve is um, is represented by is this like ever present God power energy. And if you sit in that, and if you experience it, and if you tap into it every single day, what you'll find is it's actually pulling you toward the the highest possible experience of life that you could ever want. And that's why I leave that as like my first principle, because I've just found that in following that and in all the religious studies that I've done, and by the way, I've gone through the bell curve. Like everyone, I believe, should, not everyone goes through the complete bell curve, but um, a lot of people that I think get it in life and that really understand have gone through the bell curve where they started out and they were maybe, ra- like I was raised Jewish. Um, and I was told like, God is Adonai, our God, and you have to read the Torah, and you have to get a bar mitzvah, and that's the only religion that's true, and all other religions aren't true, and you you come up with this very basic opinion. Then you go to the midwit phase, which is what, for me, I got into like a very um, skeptic mode, and I was being super analytical and rational, trying to make sense of the world, because when I was around the time I was 18, I had this realization that like, oh my God, what the hell is happening? We're on a spinning rock going around this object floating in space called the sun. Nobody really knows what the fuck is going on. What happens when you die? I just had all these questions, and it was anxiety-provoking. So I started grasping onto different philosophies, trying to figure out what to do with my life. <laughs> and one of the first things I, I leaned on was objectivism, which is a philosophy from the philosopher or writer-philosopher Ayn Rand. And it's extremely atheistic and says that, like, you know, 
you can't have any like God can't exist because there's no evidence for God. And, you know, it's, it's very rational. And I was in that phase for like two years. I remember having like serious religious debates with some of my Christian friends telling them like why Christianity is essentially the devil and why, uh, you know, not literally, but you know, like figuratively, um, and why there was just trying to like disprove all these different religions showing how they didn't make sense. And then around 19 or 20, 19 or 20, I read the power of now and that brought everything together and showed me that all these religions were actually saying the same thing, but it's pointing to an experience of the present moment, which is the thing that so many people have a hard time really grasping and understanding, especially people with anxiety. You know, I was someone with a lot of anxiety, partly because I couldn't handle this idea of what we're all experiencing, which is this extreme powerful force that is this present moment that we're in right now that is constantly changing and forming and turning into different forms. And we try to make use our mind to wrap our heads around it, but it's really impossible. You have to just throw yourself into it and experience it fully. And so, um, so what I have found is that, you know, practicing meditation and practicing different practices where you're connecting your mind and your body and you're sensing, you know, into your intuition and you're filling yourself with good foods. It allows you to like follow this, this path that, um, that ultimately, that ultimately, you know, is guiding you towards some higher solution, some higher lifestyle um, and way of being. And yeah, it's a principle because it's, it is morality. You know, it might not make a hundred percent sense why you're feeling a certain way or why your intuition or your gut instincts are driving you a certain way or why your heart is drawing you to a certain person, why your heart is drawing you to a certain decision. But if you follow that, and if you're attuned to that, attuned to your body, attuned to that whatever is occurring in the present moment, it's often leading you toward the best solution for you. So um, that is something that is, uh, is, is certainly key for me. Um, and so how do you access it? Um, how, do you, how do you get more into the present moment and how do you utilize this principle and how do I utilize this principle? So the first thing you have to do is to get to what I like to call zero point awareness. And that's basically the point where like, as everyone is really evolving their consciousness, they start meditating. That's typically like step one. They're like, Oh, I want to get more present. And I remember there was a phase of like a year, maybe two years where I'd meditate for like 10 minutes in the morning. And then I would go throughout my day, but I would go unconscious. Like, I don't know, half my day. And then I'd come back into conscious and it was like, it would be, come in and go out and come in and go out. And when I was unconscious, I noticed that everything was in turmoil. And when I was conscious and in control of my emotions and in, in that present moment space, everything went smoothly. And so, uh, I basically discovered this technique where what I did was I set reminders in my phone to just essentially wake up to the present moment. And it would be like, wake up, take a deep breath. Like, remember that you are this consciousness or connects to God connection or whatever you need to call it to remind yourself of what the experience is. And, and I would do that. And I just had reminders going off my phone, like every 10 minutes. And over time, 
like 95% of my day was just in a present state. And for, you know, for, I think like the first, I would say like year, two years, three years, maybe of doing this, my, like my whole life was just so amazing. And there were certainly things that were like difficult to deal with and things that were slightly stressful, but for the most part, like everything was going fantastic. Now there was a time where I experienced some turmoil and it was like a, a really bad relationship that I had gotten into. And during this time, you know, I was still meditating. I was still super observant. I still had a high level of awareness, but I still couldn't figure out, like, I was really questioning. I was like, I, I'm doing all the things that I'm supposed to be doing. Why is this still so painful? And what I learned through that was basically that there's there are there are higher and higher levels to, there's always higher levels of experiencing um, consciousness. And at that time, I thought I was, like, experiencing life in a very strong, you know, really good way because of all the practices I I had been doing. But in reality, what the relationship showed me is I wasn't in tune to my body and in tune to what I wanted. And I had become a people pleaser. And I was basically in this relationship because I felt bad, not only really for myself, but for the other person. And I was just placating to what they wanted. And I wasn't connected to how I felt at all. So after the relationship, I did a lot of like work on my body and like focusing on myself and what I wanted and what were my needs. And that resulted in an even higher state of consciousness. So I, I tell that story just to explain that like as you practice going deeper into like meditation and all these kind of practices, um, your life will get drastically better. But don't get don't be surprised if at some points it does get rocky. It's just likely it's similar to I, I use the butterfly analogy. Um, if a caterpillar is turning into a butterfly, if you look it up on YouTube, it's disgusting what happens. It like gets all weird looking and covers itself in like goo. And then it just turned, it like destroys itself to become a butterfly. You're basically shedding layers of skin like a snake. And so it's similar to that. And, and that's how you kind of have to look at your evolving consciousness, especially when you're going through difficult times. So Setting phone alarms is great. Meditation. Um, and then what else? The other thing I recommend is what I call like a no consumption or no substance week. And this is basically where it's essentially a dopamine detox where your brain is so used to being wired by notifications from work or, or your shows or whatever it is that you're watching or consuming. Social media, TikTok, all that stuff. Re- even reading books can be like a dopamine hit. And you essentially just go an entire week without consuming anything. So you don't watch TV, you don't listen to radio or music, you like if you're driving, you turn off everything, you just go silent, and you see what it's like to get to this zero point of see if, seeing if you can just enjoy life without stimulus. Like, is that possible for you? And it's a really transformative experience because you realize how addicted you are to, to dopamine and stimulus, and after a few days of it, um, you kind of reach this point of peace in your mind where you're like, wow, like all that stuff is great, but life is actually kind of nice when you're just sitting there and you can just feel how your body feels like actually pretty naturally good. And so that's one. And then the other one is um, reducing substances. So obviously like if you drink a lot, eliminating alcohol, if you smoke a lot, eliminating smoking and doing it for, I think all that maybe eliminate for like a month, but you know, another one is eliminating caffeine and I'm currently drinking coffee, uh, not as I record this, but like in my my life. Um, but every 
year, I probably go like three months where I just cut it completely and just get back to like my base 0.0 consciousness. And every time I do it, I always find that I have more energy and I feel better. And honestly, I'm probably happier net. But then I go back to caffeine because at the end of the day, it is kind of nice to just enjoy a cup of coffee. So it's not to say that you should do these things permanently, but to reach the next level, I think you have to do things that push yourself. And if these things sound challenging, it's probably a good idea to, to dive into them. The next one is super, super challenging, uh, and it's called a silent retreat. And this is basically when you take a day to three days to even seven days where you say absolutely nothing to anyone, and you it's essentially like a seven-day meditation. Uh, in yoga, it's called a vipassana. Um, I did it during the pandemic because I didn't have much else to do. I was, I was obviously just like, you know, building my businesses and um, staying at home, taking care of my parents. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a silent retreat. It was trending on YouTube. So I was like, I'm going to do it. And I just didn't speak for three days. I didn't go on social media. I didn't do any work. I didn't watch any TV. I didn't read any books. I didn't do anything for three days. And that was a very, it was a bit scary, but it was a really cool experience as well. I had so many realizations about what was actually important to me. And I'd learned a lot about how my mind works and how it's wired and what I tend to think about the most. And so that's something I highly recommend. And then the last one is, you know, spending more time in nature in general, because if you think about it, we're constantly surrounded by buildings and cars and like electronics and all these like man-made items that are, they're not full of life. They're, they're full of like concrete. <laughs> And, and metal and things that people made. But if you go into the woods, you're surrounded by things that are alive and things that are literally breathing and exchanging energy and with you. And so spending more time in the ocean or spending more time out in the sun or out in like the woods is so rejuvenating because you're around other things that are alive. And so that is also a way to like enhance your, your consciousness and your connection to that God power energy And I hope you enjoyed this first episode of this podcast. Um, I had a fun time recording it, and I'm looking forward to recording the rest. I think this one was a good length. The next several might be a bit more in-depth because this one is, I mean, I could go on this one for a very long time. Who knows? Maybe I'll do like a whole entire other podcast going like crazy in-depth about this. Um, But if you've enjoyed it, shoot me a message on Instagram at Arlen and tag me on Instagram. Um, if you're listening to this and I'll repost it on my story and that is it. I think the last thing I'd say, if you want to check out more of my links and stuff like that, or stuff that I'm currently working on, just go to H O O dot B E slash Arlen, A R L I N my Hoobie page. And you'll be able to find all my stuff there that I'm currently working on. Okay. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you in the next one.